0: morning. We've never met. I'm Olivia. I'm one of on the people on the teaching team here at Restoration. We're glad that you are here this morning. When my son was in kindergarten, he got an unacceptable in music class, which is the equi- equivalent in kindergarten of getting an F. So when I looked into it, I found out that, you know, in kindergarten, every song has, like, hand motions that go to it. Well, my son refused to do the hand motions because, in his words, they made him look stupid, And I had to laugh because, one, it's a valid argument, and two, it is something he very much got from me. I do not like to be told what to do, and I don't like to look dumb. So I tell you that, so you know that is with great mercy and compassion that right now I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. And now that you're standing, I want you to take your feet a little bit wider than your hips so you have that nice, wide base. And I want you to put your hands on your hips and lift your chest to the sky, taking your neck long and your chin tall. And I want you to stand like this for two minutes. Just kidding. Sit down. (laughs) What I just had you do is what is known as the Superman or Wonder Woman power pose. So there are some researchers at Harvard that have been studying people who are confident and feel like they go through life with confidence and the assurance that everything is going to be okay. And they compared those people to people who feel like they live in a constant state of fret and anxiety. And what they found was that people who feel confident all the time actually have higher testosterone and lower cortisol, or the stress hormone. And those, as you would imagine, who live in constant fret and anxiety actually had lower testosterone and higher levels of the stress hormone known as cortisol. So these researchers at Harvard decided they wanted to know if they could change that or affect that in any way. So they identified a list of what they consider power poses. The best they decided was this one, the Wonder Woman or Superman power pose. And they took a group of women, women because men would mess up the whole testosterone reading thing. They took women and they had them come in and they tested their saliva to see how, what their level of testosterone and cortisol were. And then they had them stand in this position for two minutes straight and test it again. And what they found was after two minutes of standing in that position, their testosterone levels went up by 20%, and their cortisol levels went down by 25%. Just two minutes in that pose, and chemically, their hormones completely changed into a position of confidence. Some researchers at the University of Oregon took it a step further, and they took women, and they had them stand in this position and then go into their boss and ask for a raise. And they found that the women who stood in this position before they went actually did better and got the raise than those who didn't. Now, they do give the disclaimer that you should never do this in public, that it is not something that you should walk into your boss on Monday morning and say, I would like a raise. But they did find that in private, when you took those two minutes, it actually changed you at a chemical level. So what if I told you that how we posture ourselves before the Lord change changes at a spiritual level. makes a lot of sense. Let's pray. Lord, I know it is your voice that shook the mountains and blew the winds, and it is your word that parts the seas and pierces the heart. And so I ask, Lord, that I would grow dim, that you may be loud, that you may speak, and that your word may pierce our hearts this morning. Amen. So we've been working our way through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And going through these things that Jesus told us would make us, cause us to rejoice and inherit the kingdom and, and all of these things. And we get this week to Matthew 5, 5, where it says, Blessed, or oh how happy, are the meek. The word meek, if you were to go to Webster's Dictionary, the definition is to be too submissive easily imposed, spineless and spiritless. This is one of those cases where the English language just gives no justice to the Greek word that is here. But when we hear that word meek, we automatically think of weakness. We automatically think of a mouse or someone in the corner. I remember when I became a Christian and I first read the verse about that the Lord loves a quiet and meek woman and I thought, oh dear Lord, I will never be loved by God. (laughs) Because in my mind, meek was in the corner, you know, knitting in a rocking chair. That's what meek looked like. But how can it be then that the meek would inherit the earth if that is the definition? When my husband and I first got married, we were in a grocery store one day, and my shoe was untied, so I saw a little um, container that I could put my foot up on so that I could tie my shoe What I didn't realize was that it was actually styrofoam, so when I put my foot up, my foot went straight through. I fell backwards and hit my husband, who then took out an entire tray of Hostess snacks. We were literally laying in the middle of the grocery store surrounded by ding-dongs, ho-hos, and Twinkies with a little old woman saying, Are you okay? (laughs) But when we think of meekness, we think of a styrofoam container, something that has no stability, nothing that we can stand on. And in fact, what we find here is a word that is the complete opposite. We can't simply replace the word meekness with a, with a different word. We can't say, well, it's gentleness or it's humility, because they don't encapsulate exactly what it is either. We can't just describe it as some outward action, because it includes an inward grace. It encompasses an attitude towards God and a gentleness towards man. Biblical meekness acknowledges God's control, delights in His will, and accepts how He deals with us. It is free from frenzy, it is not phased by circumstances, and it doesn't fret. Meekness is power under control, it is strength under submission and confidence. Rightly directed. Does that not rock your world? As I began to study this, I'm like, this is so not what I thought it was. In fact, luckily we have Greek scholars because I am not one. And if you look at the Greek word that's used here, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It's P-R-A-U-S, if you're someone who likes to know. And the word was used in those days by Greek philosophers to describe a state between extreme emotion somewhere between rage and anger and total submissiveness, the perfect balance between the two. It was used by sailors in those days to describe a gentle breeze, not a wind that tossed them from side to side, but a wind by which they could sail easily. Physicians in those days used this word to describe a soothing balm, something medicinal enough to heal, with a quality that soothed. And farmers used the word meekness to describe a colt who had been broken, who had learned to respond to the bridle and was useful then to the farmer. It is so much more than weakness. It is so much more than just gentleness towards people. It is a grace of the soul that is expressed in gentleness and humility. That is the meekness that Jesus speaks of. And in fact, when he writes this, or when he says this, most people would agree that he's quoting Psalm 37. It's the first time we hear that the meek shall inherit the earth. But I want you to listen to the verses that come beforehand. It says in verse 1, Fret not yourselves over evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and (laughs) befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourselves, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at this place, he will not be here. But the meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. It says to trust in the Lord twice. It says to feed on his faithfulness or befriend His faithfulness. It says to delight in him. Commit your way to him. Rest in him. Wait patiently for him. The meekness that is power under control, the meekness that is a grace of the soul, begins with trust in the Lord, delighting in him. You see, in order to be meek in the earth, we have to first posture ourselves before the Lord. To stand before him and acknowledge that he is in control. That we trust him. That he will be faithful to us. That if we commit our way to him, that he will give us the desires of our heart. We have to rest in him that whatever it is that we're fretting about or want to fret about, we rest knowing that he is in control. We wait because he is in control. Biblical meekness comes from the posturing of standing before the Lord, saying it is not mine, it is yours. It is then that we can not fret. Do you notice how many times it says, don't fret? Don't live in frenzy, don't live in chaos, don't live in worry. We get to that place when we say, it is not mine. I will wait for you. I will trust in you. I will let it be yours. That is power under control. That is strength under submission. Only twice do we see in the Bible where people are called meek. Jesus and Moses. Now, when I, again, if you go back to that vision that we have in our mind of meekness, those are not the two people I would pick to say that they were totally meek. But that is who we are told are meek, because what did they have? Power and strength under the submission and control of the Father. Jesus had all the resources of heaven, all the power of heaven and earth were given into his hand. Yet he says his burden is light. Yet he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey because he was meek. And he was able to be meek because all the resources of heaven were his. And all the power came from God. That is where meekness fl- from where meekness flows. Moses was called the meekest man in all of the earth. The same Moses who hit the rock and threw the stones and stood on the mountain and said, Lord, I want to see your countenance, was called the meekest man on earth. Not because he was weak. Because when he was given the choice to stay in Egypt and enjoy all the passing pleasures of sin, And the luxuries of the land of Egypt, it says that he chose instead to suffer with the people of Israel. It says that in Hebrews. He had all the resources, all the power, all the might, and he chose instead to say, Lord, you're in control. Not my will, but yours. Not my desires, but yours. Not my comfort. Not the things that will pass away, but the things that are eternal. Not this land but your land. Not this promise, but your promise. That is meekness. When we say, I will give up all the things that will pass away for all the things that are eternal. When we stand and know I have all the resources of heaven in him. When we stand and say, I know that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I'm going to let that burden be light because I'm going to let follow Him. It is confidence in Him and submission to Him. We are told in Psalm 37 that when we do this, when we come to that place of resting and waiting and trusting, that we receive His provision. We count on his redemption, and we know his will and have peace. Psalm 22 tells us that the meek are satisfied. Psalm 25 says that the meek are guided by truth and taught by him. Psalm 147 says the meek are lifted up. And Isaiah 29 says that the meek have fresh joy. You see, when we come to this place, trusting and resting and waiting on him. When we find that inner grace of our soul, it is then that meekness becomes an outward action. It is in then that we see the gentleness in the way that we deal with those around us. When the power is under control, because like it or not, we all have power, especially those for, over those who have allowed us into their lives. I realize this more and more all the time as a parent, that like it or not, I have power over my children, and how I choose to deal with them will either be in meekness or in power out of control. My daughter did something the other day and got in trouble, and I had this moment where I could kind of hold it over her head, and I wish I could tell you that I didn't, but I totally did. And my son looked at me and he says, Mom, you're kind of being a bad parent right now and I thought, not the most respectful thing you've ever said to me, but unfortunately, you're very right. And it was true. I had the power. And I could either submit it to God and say, Lord, you're in control, you're going to deal with her, you're going to pray for her and bring righteousness into her life, or I could hold it over her head, and which did I choose? People have invited us into their lives. So like it or not, how we deal with them is either power under submission to God or power out of control. Do we deal with people in gentleness and humility? Don't fret, it says. Don't be envious. Turn away anger and wrath. We don't have to fret over the circumstances that are in front of us because God is in control. That is meekness. We don't have to try to fix all the problems that are around us because God has it under control. That is meekness. We don't have to envy what others have or do or are because we know where we stand with him, and it's enough. We can turn away anger and wrath and count on his righteousness and his justice. Paul writes in Ephesians 4 that it is in meekness that unity is brought. When We are not lording over one another, but instead submitting our power to the will of God. Unity can be found. Colossians 3 says that we are to put on meekness, and in so doing, we're going to be long-suffering, we're going to bear with one another, and we're going to forgive one another of sins. Because we know God's got it. Because we trust in him. Because we delight in him. Because we know who we are in him. That is meekness. James says to be slow to anger, slow to speak, quick to to listen, and with meekness receive the word of God. He says later to receive the meekness of wisdom. We become teachable when we are meek. And we are able to speak wisdom to one another. We are able to slow down and wait on God. That is meekness. Galatians 6.1 says that we are to restore one another in meekness. How do we bring restoration in one another's lives? We come to one another submitted to God and lead them into submission as well. Forgive them. Love them. Come as one who knows who they are in Christ. Over and over, Paul writes that he came to them in meekness. We bring peace and joy and restoration. when We are in that place of trusting and desiring him. We all have power. Is it under God's control? Is it rooted in confidence in him? Are you constrained to move by his joy and his peace? It's a challenging one for me. I definitely am one who lives in the drama of the moment. And the Lord has been teaching me this week what it means to posture myself before him, to stand in his power and his strength. I actually decided that dog fostering was a good idea, which it wasn't. And got into a little situation, and I was completely at the mercy of this foster company, and they were not completely helpful. And I tried being nice, and I tried being not nice, and I tried being a little passive-aggressive, and I tried all these different angles as I'm emailing these people back and forth. And they just dug their heels in and would not help. And I finally sat down, and I said a little prayer, I just sent an email that said, please help me. And within five minutes, I had a response back, and they helped me. I am learning every day that power out of control does no good. You see, it's so easy for me to say, just stand before the Lord and trust him, but it is so hard to live out. How do we cultivate it in our lives? How do we cultivate meekness day in and day out? In Luke 18, we are given a couple of parables. It's interesting because the two actually sequentially didn't happen at the same time. Like Jesus didn't speak one and then the other. But Luke chooses to insert the second, I think, as a reflection of the first or to complement the first. But Jesus has just gone through talking about the kingdom of heaven because the disciples were asking, When, O Lord, is it coming? And he gives this talk about what it will look like when it comes and what the days will look like. And then in chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And then he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will we find faith on the earth. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that, were, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to this house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. (coughs) How do we cultivate meekness in our lives? How do we come to that place of, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I desire what you desire. Lord, I will wait on you. We are like the widow in the story who literally as a widow had no hope, no help, no ability to bring justice herself and went continually to the judge again and again and again. Only you can help. Only you can justify. Only you can make this right again and again and again. And it says that he did not fear man nor God and he did the right thing. How much more will your God, who loves you, who is in every way just. How will he not hear an answer? We cultivate meekness in our life through persistent prayer. My daughter does gymnastics, and she was a level seven the last two years, and there comes this thing on the bar called the kip-cast-to-handstand, which basically you swing under the bar, kip up, cast off, and go all the way up to a handstand. It is a skill that she has worked on for three years. Every day, six days a week, for three years. In June of this last year, she cannot move forward. Without this move, you cannot do level eight. You cannot do level nine. You can go nowhere without this skill, and you have to do bars. You can't not do them either. And in June, I sat her down, and I had this deep conversation with her about maybe it was time to just say her body couldn't do this. And she refused. And in fact was not happy with me that I did not believe in her, which is a whole nother sermon. But so we had this great, so she was determined, nope, I'm going to do it. About a month ago she came home from gym with a video of her doing her Kip cast-to-handstand. And I sat there and I thought, I cannot think of a single thing in my life that I have worked on every day, six days a week, Failing over and over and over again for three years. I can't think of a single thing. And how much I admire her now going every day. She went into that gym. She got her bottom up in the air and it came flopping back down over and over and over again. And she got up the next day and she did it again. That is the persistent prayer that God is asking for. That is the persistent prayer of, nope, I'm going to keep asking because I'm not going to compromise. And that was her thing. I was like, we can do high school instead. And you don't have to be a level 10 gymnast. But in her mind, that was compromising. And there was no way that was going to happen. Meekness is not weakness. It's not sitting in the corner doing nothing. It's going persistently to the Lord and saying, I know you can. I know you will. Whatever it is you desire. I trust you to take care of this. I trust you to make this right. I trust you to fix my mess, whatever it might be. Even if it means every day for three years. Again and again and again. And in the second parable, we see the, <coughs> the Pharisee standing in the temple. And it's so interesting because the language here, it actually is as though he's talking to himself. He's not even looking up to heaven. The way that the language is, it, it kind of gives this idea that he's kind of talking to himself, going, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like these people. And then you have the tax collector who won't even lift his eyes, but just says, Lord, be merciful to me. It is both a confidence in him and a humility before the Lord. That's meekness. It is, that is what allows us to say, Lord, I'm not going to be angry because I know you're going to take care of it. And in the same breath, come to someone who's struggling and say, hey, I get it, let's do this together. That is where we get confidence towards God and gentleness towards men, and that is where meekness comes together. We are confident in his resources And we are confident in his mercy. And we live as though we know that both are true. It says that the meek will inherit the earth. We are not really taught that very often. We are told to believe in ourselves and to go in and and take it. But the land does not come by plundering. It comes by prayer and people will debate is it well is it talking about we'll inherit the earth now or the earth later is it literal earth is it figurative earth and really they're probably all a little bit right and a little bit wrong but the reality is the important word there is inherit you see in meekness we realize what we have is a gift from the lord the good the bad the ugly it's all his it is something that we are gifted with not something that it is ours to take we don't have to conquer. We don't have to try to achieve and, and, and make things happen. We don't have to stand in the mirror like Superman every morning. Because ours is the inheritance. And we can live in quiet confidence that the Lord is taking care of it. My, when we, Jason and I were in youth ministry years ago, one of the young women in our church was playing soccer so I went to go watch her play soccer and I was just dreading it because I had my daughter at the time who was like the craziest toddler you've ever met and my son who was just a baby and I'm like I don't know how this is going to work but I'm going to go and at least try. And I get there and her mom had been through a number of rounds of breast cancer and treatments and her, her mom invited me to come sit with her and her mom's my daughter sits down and looks up at her mom and the next thing I know she's crawling into this woman's lap and just sitting there. And I remember thinking That's really strange. And then as I started to talk to this woman, I wanted to crawl into her lap and just sit there. She'd been through a lot, but she had also learned that God was in control. She had learned to trust him, and she had this quiet confidence that made her like a soothing balm and a gentle breeze. You see, as we go through these Beatitudes... As Jesus speaks to them, he was teaching them what it meant to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, that those would see us and know him, that they would see something different. That's what meekness is. Not that people look at us and, and think of us as weak, but in our presence they desire to know where that confidence comes because it is not ours to conquer but ours to receive from the lord upon whom we wait we become effective like the broken colt when we learn to submit to the bridal and know that he is in control i want to finish with oh if i can get it to come back up the prayer of st francis is probably my favorite prayer and sometimes people say it better than i do if you just want to close your eyes we're just going to pray What St. Francis prayed, which I believe is a beautiful picture of what it means to live in meekness. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, harmony. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy.